So. Yeah, we should be fine. And we can, we can always monkey around with it. I think that we have like maybe. 10 episodes that start off with us fiddling with audacity. <laughs> it's, it's just funny, the you know, perfect. I mean, <laughs> it's just I was, the perfect I was a intro musician banter. all my life. And you know, I was always around sound equipment. I was a musician for a lot of my life, and I was always around sound equipment. Mm-hmm. But the drums rarely needed miking. Just the bass drum was all we ever mic because I play loud. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, the uh, what's that? Led Zeppelin. That's one of the, the the just the pinnacle, the hallmark drum recordings that you study or that we've studied when we uh, in in school for it is is when, when the, the levee breaks, breaks. The opening. Absolutely. One microphone yeah. in a stairwell. And it's the best yep. drum recording ever. Just that hollow bass drum ringing. It's Sunday, March 6th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 37 of Roll Up and Die. Yeah, that's the fear we talked about. It takes experience to master it. You sensed who I was back when I was committing what you call my crimes. Yes. So you were hurt, not by a fault in your perception or your instincts, but because you failed to act on them until it was too late. You could say that. But you're wiser now. Yes. Imagine what you would do well if you could go back in time. You put two in your head before you could palm that stiletto? Mm-hmm. Very good, well. Yeah, thanks guys for letting us kind of push this a little bit later. I was cooking dinner for my wife, and I haven't got been able to spend much time with her lately um, because of some absolute tabletop stuff. But I made uh, my first risotto. Okay. I don't even know what part of it was a risotto, but it was good. <laughs> I mean, some I, shit ate it. I liked it. Yeah, dude. It's like we're doing this thing. We're subscribed to this thing called Blue Apron. And basically mm-hmm. what they do is they work with v- local farms. Um, and once a week, you know, we pay a subscription fee. And once a week they will mail you. You'll receive a box at your door with just ingredients for three different meals. And the so recipe card. Oh, it's so cool. And everything's fresh, farm fresh. They have the recipe cards <laughs> in there. Like this week we had a, a chicken curry, uh, a squash mm-hmm. and uh, squash risotto with like a cabbage salad or something. And mm-hmm. the best one was we got, we had a cheese uh, sauce pretzel burgers, <laughs> nice. which was so good. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I was at first worried because when someone's mailing you food, it's like, Oh, this is going to be weird. <laughs> but you open that thing up and I swear it's like, it steams like carbonite. Like it's yeah. like, it's yeah. so cold in that freaking box. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. I've ordered steak through the mail before. How was um, it? It was it was good. It was, it was surprisingly good. They send it like you said. They send it in the dry ice, so you get that kind of you know cool you know special effect with it. You know the steam pouring out. Uh, but we did find a local uh, place around here that sell uh, uh, that sells Highland beef. And uh, a couple few years ago, we that bought uh, a quarter. Uh, <laughs> 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 we, we, we we bought a quarter cow. And the cool thing is, you you, can, you get to go like pick your cow. Like uh, you can go stand at the fence and oh, like I no, couldn't do that. that. That's where I you lose do me. Do that. <laughs> this bring him, bring him to me. He amuses I, me. I Whichever one is, the I don't want to know the chicken. I'm going to eat first. No, no. But but Highland Highland, Highland uh, beef is awesome. It's uh, they're the, they're those uh, those shaggy cows uh, like cattle that you would see uh, you see in Scotland. Oh yeah, like they have the long long hair and 
Um, it almost looks like a look bison, like, almost like not. They look. Yeah. They look like shit. They should be on Tatooine. Yeah, but they. Uh, <laughs> but the the flavor is amazing. It's 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 like a cross between a really awesome steak and lamb. It has like a slight little lamb flavor to it, which is it's just great, great stuff. I, I imagine that you took your kids there, Alex, and said, "All right, sweet little girl, go ahead and." What's your favorite cow? I'm oh, that one, Daddy. About the idea. Don't look you know, away. Don't look you, away. You bring him some animal. You tell him the backstory and everything, right? This, this it's is Reggie. He was he was the shy one of the herd, but despite that, Reggie managed to pull through. Today we're going to eat him, and when we're done, we're going to make a wish and break his bones. <laughs> Reggie. <laughs> Yeah, but my, my kids have been around that since they, since they were little. My, my wife used to kill rabbits with my son, you know, on her back on a, on a, in a carrier. Yeah. You know, she, she put the you know the little gun to the back of its head. And yeah, but bang, you're not you know. you're not telling them stories about it first, right? <laughs> there was the rabbit. There's a local guy here. He saw a deer on the way home. Told his daughter, his eight year old daughter, it was Bambi. Got his gun, went back and shot it. Like, don't do that. Okay, to now, kids. Now, now wait a minute. That's now wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute here. I never said I told stories about the cow. That's that what was, I'm saying. That was not That's, me. That, that was that. me. I was. I it does was make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, but, imagined that that's something that Alex would do. Probably because I'm projecting a little bit. I feel like that's. <laughs> I, I like, man, to, I would. So I wanted do to that. know fear before I kill it. It tastes better that way. <laughs> well, Oops. you know, it, you, you haven't really. Tasted your own food until you've cut your own, uh, you know, cut your own goat's throat. You know. Speaking of cutting throats, cow. Speaking cutting of throats. being terrified and cutting throats and just, <laughs> just being an overall jerk, but for a good cause. Welcome to Roll Up and Die, everybody. Your villainous RPG podcast. Uh, and today we are going to be talking about uh, three-dimensional villains. Right? Isn't that right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of. And uh, NPCs, three, uh, but yeah. Yep. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, adding that new layer to your, uh, your your villains and NPCs. And it looks like, oh, it looks like we forgot to post a question on the Facebook page. Oh, I thought Matt was going to do that. I thought so, too. Hey, Matt. Oh, well. If you're listening to this, <laughs> you forgot. Let's see how many I get yeah, right get now. I'm gonna... Alex, go ahead and talk about how to make villains interesting while I post this on the Facebook page. The ball has been dropped. Well, we haven't done our intro yet. That's okay. Never mind. My name is um, Barker. Good. My name is Barker. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. Rob, a.k.a. The Swamper. All right. So, uh, so Rob, what, uh, we uh, we decided we we're going to talk about uh, villains and NPCs and how to make them, uh, you know, three-dimensional, make them, give them depth, give them richness. Um, what's, uh, what's your take on probably the most... Uh, well, how do you do it? Well, first of all, if we talk villains, we can start from the top and kind of work our way down to the NBCs. Remember that no villain is truly evil. You can have something that's truly evil, but that would be like some eighth-level demon of hell who's like the personification of evil or something like that. Other than that, villains don't see themselves as evil. They see themselves as, you know, with a purpose, and the purpose is usually, or at least can be, in their vision, they're making the world better, right? Take a vision who seeks power, right? Why does he seek power? Just to play God? No, he probably 
sees it as a way of controlling things. Look at the Empire in Star Wars, right? They they sought to bring order to the galaxy. They thought all this freedom was chaotic and difficult to manage and cause a lot of problems. So they bring order to the galaxy, and therefore the people will have better lives, right? And they'll be seen as, like, mm-hmm. the heroes. So it's important that you frame your villain in that regard, even though it's something that anyone objectively looking at would say, yeah, that's pretty bad what you're doing. Yeah, for the most part. And, and I mean, there are some who have uh, are more so than others. They have more selfish reasons. And maybe it is just, you know, I want power for me. You know, I yeah. don't care about anyone else. Um, you know, and you obviously have your serial killer types who are just completely, uh, uh, what would you call it, say, just uh, completely amoral. They have no, no uh, devoid no concept of, of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen. I mean, there there are people who've been born that way. There was a, a long time ago. I saw a documentary about this this little girl, and she was the most terrifying creature I've ever seen. She, uh, you know, would do things like when she when she was growing up, she would like stick pins in her little brother, you know, to see what it was like and and that kind of thing. I mean, she had literally had no no conscience whatsoever, and you know, they they I, I'll never forget this film they had of her and. She was talking to the person, and she had the voice of a little girl, but the, but her, you know, her expression was just cold, you know, and and that was more terrifying than any monster I could ever imagine. Yeah, and, and we'll right. do something on our end, you know, we'll we'll say, well, that's evil, you know, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily make it so. And I, you know, without getting into right. that philosophical debate, which hell, it's roll up and die. We could if we wanted to, but, um, you know, the, it's true. You know, evil, when you really yeah. think of it, is especially, you know, with given human definitions, there's there's really kind of a gray area. And I think one of the things that, you know, Rob, you were talking about, which is really smart, and it's almost like I feel like that is the staple good villain, is the villain that thinks they're the good guy. And let me tell you right now yeah. that where I have difficulty with that is I I can do that. I can make a villain that thinks they're the good guy. Mm-hmm. But it loses this realism factor because for some reason I just can't connect the two wires inside of my brain to come up with a really creative idea for a villain that makes sense that they're killing people for a good reason without gi- uh, uh, giving them the, well, they're just a little bit crazy attribute too. Right. So <laughs> how do you do that? It comes down to point of view, right? Something that seems reasonable and rational irrational to most of us might not be so to them so you can't ascribe Mm -hmm. your definitions of reasonable and rational to them and and consider them to be equal right so like a person that wants to say can dominate the land because there's chaos um they might see okay we have to cull some of the herd so that we can get this under the control for the rest of the people they don't see it as a bad act. You have to put yourself in their mindset, right? Every day in life, yeah. you'll encounter people who do something and you think, wow, that was really dumb. Why did you do that? Well, to that person, it wasn't a dumb idea at the mm, time. They had that's a really good point. So you've got to think of it from that point of view. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And, to, and to make a really successful villain, I think you almost have to... Um, have their entire backstory in mind like what made them what you know what they are no one no one has ever you know well with a few exceptions obviously uh no one no one's really born a monster 
Yeah. You know, uh, the little girl might be an exception, like I discussed, but most people are made monsters either through, you know, through abuse or through uh, uh, the circumstances they put through or, you know, some kind of some other kind of horror. But they're they're made what they are. Yeah. And so, you know, by see, by being able to sort of see that, even if the the players never see it, or maybe they only see hints of it, if you know it, then you can play it. Then you can play that character in a way that's that'll be successful as a as a three dimensional villain. I think that's really important to know the backstory. I think you're right. And uh, on top of that, though, and I, I was working with Matt uh, on my own villain in the Winds of Sursaline game. Um, because I was just having trouble with him. I, I felt like I mm. put too much backstory out there too quickly. Number one, it kind of overcomplicated the game a little bit in my mind. And number two, I didn't really have the, the full backstory fleshed out. So I was kind mm. of putting the cart before the horse a little bit. And so yeah. I was chatting with Matt, who is actually a player in the game, but you know, he's actually the one person that I kind of share ideas with and stuff. And he, he makes the game better overall in multiple ways. But one of the things that he uh, showed me was that not it is very good to have the villain's backstory, but mm. that doesn't mean you have to make the backstory before you introduce the villain. So right. when you Correct. introduce the villain, the 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 story is that this villain wants to murder everybody. He just wants to take over the entire world. And uh, using Matt's game as an example, we're going to call that villain the Corrupter. You know, mm-hmm. and. And then as the game goes on, it's like, all right, now let's start fleshing out the backstory. Why? Answering all mm-hmm. these questions and relating it to the, you know, relating that backstory to the characters themselves and to the environment that you've set up over the course of the game. So it's a, it's more of a fluid thing. And right. I, I that really helped me, you know, knowing that painting with broad strokes first and mm-hmm. then going yeah. in there and filling in the spaces. It, it's mm-hmm. it's much. You're quite right. It's much more important to define the personality of the villain than the backstory, because the personality is something you you have to show them the very first time they they meet him, right? So one mm-hmm. of the ways I like to do this is to ask yourselves a series of questions about the villain. And this works for any NPC. What would this person do in an emergency? If this person was in their home in in the town where they lived, and a fire broke out on the neighbor neighboring buildings. What would they do? If a fight broke out in the street, what would they do? If someone came to them and asked them for help, how would they respond? Right? And by by posing a series of questions like this about your character, their responses really help to define the kind of person they are. And then when you have to role play that character as a GM, because you've defined these ideas, the character is going to respond this way to this stimuli, this way to this stimuli, and so forth. No matter what the players do, you can respond in a consistent manner for that villain because you've defined it already. That's what good prep is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think it's important to consistency. I think you have to have at least some background, though, because ultimately you have to have the character's motivations in mind uh, sure. when coming up with even even their how they're going to react to things. So sure. is this person's, you know... Are their motivations based on greed? Are they based on revenge, hate? You know, uh, you know what is what is it that's driving them to do this this bad thing? Yep. Um, and and then and then that can even suggest the kind of backstory. I'm not saying you have to write up a whole history of them to start, but when I do it, I, I like to have um, at least a, an idea of where they came from. You know, why why is this person doing what they're doing? Yep. What drove them to it? Yeah, and both and, ways are, and are equally valid. Like you can go from 
the backstory creates this kind of person, or you can have this kind of person. What what might have happened in their history to make them this mm. way? Right? Either either way works as long as you get the completed picture. But I think you need the personality in place before you need the completed backstory because the the party can dig that out over time. Hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, I think a lot of things in RPGs work that way. You know, uh, like let's let's for instance, we're we're creating a supplement now uh, about building worlds, and mm-hmm. you know, the, this there are multiple ways to do it, right? And and there's the inside out approach where you start with one little location and just a little bit, and you slowly add new settlements and new adventuring locations and stuff as the game grows outward, and uh, so so you build the world as you go. And then there's the other thing, the other way to do it, which is actually the the kind of the, the the centerpiece of this book. That's what the book's about, which is the top down. It's kind of starting mm-hmm. with the big landmass and filling in all the blank spaces. And I think that the best way to do it is a mixture of both, uh, mm-hmm. because in a way, you know, always taking in the ideas that you come up with as you go like oh wouldn't that be cool yeah we're gonna throw that in there too that's building a villain or a story as you go but if you start with kind of these broad ideas like Mm. this person wants to take over the world and maybe asking yourself why what are they gonna do when they win you know what are they gonna do with it once they take over the world you know what's the whole point um and maybe having that kind of intimate knowledge at least uh can help you like Rob said, just have a consistent villain. Because if it's inconsistent, yeah. it's not very believable. Yeah. This can apply to like uh, groups too and organizations. You you declare, well, you come up with a name for the organization and then you declare their purpose. Why does this organization exist? What is their goal? How do they plan to achieve this? What is their membership and all that other stuff? But it's not that dissimilar from creating a villain. You just... You're giving a purpose to this entity, which is this group, right? And this is their kind of, uh, this is their kind of what they want and what they're after. And like you said, why and what will they do if they if they are successful and so forth. I, I'm gonna shout out a, a series of books if that's okay. Yeah, we should get paychecks for these from these companies, Alex. <laughs> but these are these are my favorite books when it comes to prepping for NPCs. And I have three of them on the shelf and they're called, there's one called the positive trait thesaurus, the negative trait thesaurus and the emotion thesaurus. And just for example, the positive trait thesaurus, I have it in my hands right now and I'm looking through it. And this is filled with just with these, like the cover says, traits that we consider positive, good. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking at and I see ooh, decisive, okay, <clears throat> decisive, possible causes mm-hmm. of decisiveness. Bearing responsibility from a young age, having control issues, the desire to lead, um, associated behaviors. This is actually something that uh, this is probably my favorite part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Being in tune with one's emotions, being able to motivate others. What's another good one? Uh, taking risks. All right. So mm-hmm. if I want a decisive NPC, I'm going to take taking risks and I'm going to put that in that NPC. That, that mm. in the game, right. that NPC is going to take a risk and it'll show how decisive they are. That's kind of the goal of these books and it's how I use them to create NPCs. But ultimately, you can even if you, and there's a whole book on negative traits also like greed and, you know, stuff like that. Right. But, you know, if we're talking villains or NPCs, if you just come up with one or two, you know, think about one or two things that an NPC can, uh, you, that, uh, a trait for an NPC, 
let's say they're greedy. So if I want an NPC or a villain to be greedy, I need to not tell the players, oh, this person's really greedy, guys. Trust me. He's tr- you got to trust me on this. <laughs> He's really greedy. But instead, have them counting coins when the characters see him. That will show them that he's greedy without needing to be told. Sure. And I bugging, think that, bugging peasants yeah. for their last few coins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Counting me. Like, <laughs> was it Donald Duck in the three, uh, oh, the, what's a Christmas? What's that? Where he plays Christmas, Ebenezer Christmas Scrooge. Carol? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christmas Carol, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he counts his coins. He, like, swims in his coins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another neat thing is when you have NPC and you define them with traits like that, you, when you create the next NPC, you look at the traits you gave the last one and you try not to use any of them or very few of them. Yeah. So you, you create a different NPC and then you keep this up and you get a cast of very, very different characters, right? And that makes the world more believable because we're all different in our own way. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. great if you can have all these NPCs which are distinct from each other. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think the players will will thank you for it because yeah, it'll be a little more simple, kind of thing. Easier and if to it's get. A, if it's a throwaway NPC, just give them one little remem- remarkable thing, like he's blind in one eye or he's missing an ear or something like that. Something they can easily remember. Yeah, for the throwaway ones. For the cow that's going to get slaughtered. <laughs> right. His name is Reggie. That's the trait I'll give him. His name's Reggie. That's it. Yes, he's got a black patch over one eye. <laughs> at risk for, for talking too much at once, I, I want to throw this idea out there too and see what you guys think of it. And mm-hmm. I can't take credit for it. This is absolutely something Tim Carney from Tabletop Terrors and Absolute Tabletop told me when I was asking him about villains. And it's just absolutely some of the best advice I've ever been given about making a villain. A lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, I'll come up with a villain. I'll come up with their backstory. Mm -hmm. I'll come up with what they're trying to do, how they're trying to do it. And then I'll take these new characters and, all right, session one, you're in this world with this villain. When what Tim had mentioned is play a few sessions out. See what your character's goals are. What is it they want to do specifically? What are they trying to do? Are they trying to get this mm-hmm. item? Are they trying to uh, stop the apocalypse? Are they trying to uh, save caravans on this local road from uh, highwaymen? You know, what are they mm-hmm. trying to do? And then, then take this person. And number one, you're gonna you're gonna take this person and first make them want the exact opposite. If the characters are trying to get this item, no, that person wants that item for themselves. If Mm -hmm. the characters are trying to stop the apocalypse, this person that you've put in their way, he's trying to get the apocalypse started. Now, that's sort of a bad example because step two is make this new villain be doing it to feed their daughter. Nice. (laughs) And then you kind of create this thing that, Rob, you were talking about. A person who's a good guy if it weren't for this stupid thing called perspective. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got on villains was, this is especially for your big bad, if the PCs do something to screw with the big bad's plans, have the big bad respond quickly and demonstrably. Even if it's just him sending goons, have him not ignore that. If they mess with him, they with him he's gonna fuck with them back yeah you know what i'm saying 
that really can bring home the, the guy's presence, right? This guy is aware. I, I remember the conversation Matt had with us, the provokers, uh, after we first accomplished some sort of mission or quest that interrupted mm-hmm. one of the corruptors' plans. And he kind of told us, he said, hey, guys, you know, up until this point, you know, we've been playing with kid gloves. But I just want to let you know that I can't be held responsible for what might happen to you or your characters <laughs> because you've dicked with the wrong people now. And it was kind of like a what, what do you call it? like a coming to Jesus meeting like, a, oh, oh, crap. Like and and that really helped too. you know, a, a little out of game yeah. discussion like, hey, just want to let you know, the, do those character sheets mean a lot to you because they might be going away soon. <laughs> you realize, of course, if you free that to ask. <laughs> hey. Oh man, uh, Alex, I have a question Not for again. you. Yeah. So when I think of an Alex Gothnog game, I think of you know, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with you know antagonists, things like that. I think sure. the environment is a huge antagonist in your games. We've talked, you've talked about rot grub on a number of occasions. I think uh, other characters, like really great role-played, player-versus-player type of interaction. Mm -hmm. I think creepy monsters, things like that. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever heard you tell me or anybody about your best villain. Oh, let's see. Um, He breaks out an old tome with all the the villains' (laughs) names in it. Rot J Grub was my favorite villain. <laughs> Actually, the my favorite villain was a uh, 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 it was a it was a paladin who had uh, uh, been a friend of the uh, uh, of the party for quite a while, and he ended up turning on them um, because of something that they did to uh, um, well to basically to his family. They they were they were supposed to save his family and could not and uh, um, and this this was an emergent villain because I, I hadn't I didn't really have a major story arc for that campaign and so this uh, uh, this this paladin ended up you know falling from his order and and uh, and, and and turning against them and eventually um, they had to uh, they had to kill him but uh, that was probably the best one because the uh, he didn't start out as a villain, even in the game. I hadn't intended him to be a villain. And just by the various circumstances that happened, he he became the villain over the course of over the course of the campaign. And uh, I, I love when villains are, are emergent like that rather than uh, just sitting down and, and coming up with one. Yeah. Like let's pretend it's Anakin Skywalker done right. Yeah, kind of. Uh, he he uh um and and like I said, I wasn't even I wasn't even really aware of it myself until it reached a certain point where, um, you know, I'm trying to think of how he would react to what just happened, and it just occurred to me he's he's he snaps, you know, he's he he uh, uh, he I I I, ima- I envisioned the scene where he just destroyed his room, you know, he just you know smashed a mirror and, and you know flip was flipping over furniture and um and and ultimately he took his his uh, his holy symbol and and threw it on the ground and and it was a um the players didn't see that happen or the characters didn't see that happen but they found 
the aftermath later, uh, you know, his room trashed. And that, and the first impression was that he had been taken, that he had been kidnapped or, you know, something oh, like yeah, that. There was, happened, a, there was a struggle. Was kind of right. Yeah, exactly. And, and in a way there was, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was within, it was with himself. So yeah, that was, that was one of my favorites. That's awesome. What about you, Rob? Um, I, I had an assassin <clears throat> once the campaign started, the party were all, were all in this inn. None of them knew each other. They'd never been met. And this, uh, this assassin showed up with a group of mercenaries he'd hired. He read names off a list, six names off a list. And he said, the following people are slated for execution. If I read your name, step outside. And all the players' names were on it. <laughs> That's the opening oh, session. Yeah. And That's they awesome. went outside, and there just happened to be a high-level wizard in town. He's like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You're not wrecking my favorite inn. Just time stop. Let me go talk to these guys and see what's going on. And so this guy, this assassin, doggedly pursued them throughout the campaign off and on. But the party had to investigate. They didn't know each other. Why are all our names on this list to be executed? I don't know any of you. How can we, why are we connected? So that was kind of the mystery of the mm. campaign they had to mm. solve. One of my favorite bits with him was they had a little keep where they had an orphan they had taken in. And they had hired him and let him help around the keep while they were not there. And they went on a long mission one time. And when they got back, the keep was on fire and the, the orphan was gone. And there was a mm. note from the assassin that said, I have him. You want him? Come get him. Nice. And they're like, oh, man. And he was waiting. And it was like a gauntlet of traps. And it was fun. That's awesome. That was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking through some of the questions. I like the, I like the, the note that he sent. And I, I was mm, looking through some yeah. of the questions that people are just pouring in to ask in this, what, 30 <laughs> minutes since we asked the, the uh, since Sweet. we put the post up. Uh, but one person, uh, Callie, asks, uh, what would a villain do? Um, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, that wasn't that. That wasn't that. I'll, we'll, we'll answer Callie's later. But Scott hmm. said, uh, how do you stop your murder hobos from killing them before meaningful dialogue begins? And letters, man. Like, I, mm -hmm. I love using letters and sending letters and uh, having characters find letters where, you know, when they're looking for an item and they pick up the, they, they open the chest where the item needs to be. But instead, there's a letter that's pierced to the bottom of the chest uh, by a dagger and the item is gone, you know, and it's, it's just this, you know, you can get that dialogue or monologue there if you're afraid that your players are just going to be like nope nope mm -hmm. screw the talking we're gonna we're gonna kill him um yeah i have two two suggestions on that uh suggestion one is to have them encounter this guy really early when they're way overclassed and he doesn't see them as much of a threat so if they try and beat him down he just kind of smacks them around knocks them down while they're lying there, he does a speech, uh, you know, mess with me again and, you know, you won't get off so easy and takes off. That's one mm -hmm. way. Another thing you can do is when you have a big bad, have him have a key sidekick. Like um, in James Bond, there was a character of Jaws as a sidekick. Some yeah, sort of memorable job. sidekick who isn't present when the party first meet the villains. So if the PCs happen to kill off the main villain earlier than you want, that guy steps in to take over. And yeah, or it's make not like villain. pulling it out of the blue because you've introduced him to the party. Yeah, exactly. Or or take the the villain that they just killed and say, oh, that guy? He wasn't the villain. He was the Jaws. Right, <laughs> now right. let me show you the exactly. real villain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was working for me. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, get, giving the villain a thug, you know, someone like a knight mm. to to send forth to fight the the characters in lieu of the actual big bad. Darth so, Vader and the Emperor, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Darth yeah. Darth Vader, and even Darth Vader had Boba Fett. You know, yeah. I mean, there's you know there there are uh, you know you kind of find your way. It's like there's a dog. It's like having a dog on a leash. You know, if you uh, if your characters are if the whole goal of the quest is to hunt this big wolf that's been eating all these livestock, and you do find the wolf, but it leads you to a wizard's tower, and that wizard is sending the wolf out to go feed, you know, then it's like, you know, you've taken a step further in the, in the story and mm-hmm. you can lay those breadcrumbs out at your leisure and, mm. and really yeah. go some amazing places. Yeah. I, uh, I had the party take on a demon once and he beat them down hard and then he basically made them his bitch. And he said, you're going to do this for me. And you're going to do this for me. <laughs> and you got, you got six months to do it. Or I rather say 60 days to get it done. And um, they went off. And so the characters are motivated not to attack the demon by the fact that we're, we will lose. <laughs> right. Yeah. We need to build up our power and strength and stuff till we're ready to take this guy on for real. Because he already mm. kicked our ass once. So. That can be a way of staving off them killing the big bed too early. Yeah, you can also build up their reputation ahead of time um, <laughs> by things that by things that they've done. Good idea. And uh, have have uh, you know townspeople and other adventurers sort of talking about it. Um, rumors of you know uh, you can you can lay the ground really early if you start mentioning these really powerful adventurers that these guys might look up to. And then find out that they were taken out by this guy or something. So, you know, by setting up um, these examples of what this guy can do, uh, they're, they're going to be a lot less likely to just go charging in. Yeah, that's a good idea. Varden, Slayer of Storm Dragons? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't mention his name around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The... Uh... You know the idea of keeping keeping uh, you know beating the crap out of the characters in session one. I think, uh, or otherwise, you know, like Alex, like you said, introduce this person's background in form of their renown uh, hmm. around the region um, are all really good examples of leading up to something. I think that's a really yeah. good important aspect when it comes to a villain not necessarily npcs if you're doing like regular npcs you just kind of give the characters the npc unless you know you don't have to do it that way but a lot of times an npc is the npc and this is the role that they play in this world but with a villain you gotta gradually introduce them to really have that desired effect i think that's one of the reasons why Episode three of Star Wars, in my opinion, you know, I really love the opening scene. But outside of that, it's it, that's where it really wasn't believable to me because hmm. you see Anakin Skywalker go from telling Mace Windu that the Emperor that the, this this guy Palpatine has to stand trial to killing little kids in ten minutes. I know. Yeah. It's just <laughs> unbelievable, yeah. and it's like, well, wait, what? What? How did that happen? <clears throat> gradually move into the villain role and yeah. i think i think it'll be rewarding yeah yeah 
P NPCs, villains included, need to be as deep as their frequency in play, right? The more often mm. the party is talking to this NPC, the more stuff you should have down about them. Even if it's not a villain, if it's an inn owner and they're always hanging around this inn, give that inn owner some, you know, background. If it's just some little shop they're passing through one night and they'll never see again, yeah, you can be cardboard about it, right? Yeah, give them like one attribute for every two yeah. sessions they appear in. Yeah. And, and you know, campaign doesn't necessarily have to have a big grand villain either. I mean, it depends on what kind of campaign you're running. If you're doing a long sort of campaign arc, then, then that can work. But um, if the party's just dealing with little local villains on a on a regular basis, maybe they're just, you know, uh, peacekeeping adventurers. So they're, they're always dealing with these small, uh, small guys. And so those are going to be handled a bit differently too because a lot of them are going to be more... Um, I don't know the uh, uh, the head of the the local thieves guild uh, who's trying to take down the, the 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 town government or something, you know whatever it happens to be. They're they're going to have different types of motivations and different um, levels of um, involvement, I guess, in 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 the play in the characters' lives. Yeah, you know, even standard NPCs too. If you if you apply that background, Alex, like let's say we have <clears> a tavern <throat> owner. And let's say we have a blacksmith. You know, okay, the tavern owner, they, they own the tavern. Uh, you know, she takes the money and provides the ale, and, you know, she runs this this business. The blacksmith uh, repairs the armor and makes the swords, and, you know, he, he is the blacksmith. Now, what happens if you say that the blacksmith secretly is trying to take over tavern ownership? Or right. uh, secretly in love with the innkeeper's daughter. Um, yeah, something the, like that. Just a the, single little whip. The stock boy yeah. knows a secret about the owner, and that's the only reason the owner keeps him on because he, the stock boy, likes to drink. Yeah, nice. That see, and just applying those. Like I have a web chart, you know, like little spider web graph going in my <laughs> head. You know, tavern yeah. owner, stock boy, blacksmith, and you just draw little lines and decide how these people are related behind the scenes, not. In yeah. the middle of the thing, the blacksmith's not like, I'm going to take your business someday. You know, that's that's not common right. knowledge. That's a secret, you know. And then sh find a way, you know, the stock boy is getting drunk, you know. Find a way to, maybe the stock boy tells the adventurers that secret. That's to feed that secret to the party. I, yeah. I, I had a neat little secret once. The, it was a small town and the local sheriff, um, the basic story was that uh, and this is a little, it was a little minor, minor thing in the campaign. His wife was bedridden. She was an invalid. And he, he had to take medicine and give her medicine every day. And so he was witness going to, to pick up the medicine and going home again. But what was, wasn't widely known was that his wife had died a year earlier and he had become addicted to the medicine. So he'd kept up this ruse just so he could continue mm -hmm. to be an addict. But he was like the only guard in town, right? Like, how do we, how do we deal with this, right? Our, our <laughs> town guard's a drug addict. Yeah, that uh, you know that's that that's an interesting. I like that this has nothing to do with the villains part, but I like that there's only one town guard. A lot of was times it, it was know, a tiny, <laughs> tiny town. Yeah, well, I live a in a little town. town. There's only two cops. So even in little towns, yeah. though, in fantasy RPGs, a lot of people are like there's the town guard, and there's twenty of them, and they'll stomp your face, and if you break the law, and it's like, wait, hold on, this town can't even afford like a proper farming infrastructure, and there are ten people with swords walking around. Give me, come on. Yeah. Yep. Nah, yeah. not likely. They're looking to have one guard and then maybe, 
you know, some militia they can call on in a, you know, if, if they're a wolf's attack or something. Yep. Well, that brings me to another question. You know, if you have a town guard mm. and you have a villain, well, why can't the town guard go take out the villain? Other than, you know, if, you know, if we're talking there are 10 members of the town guard and three NPCs, <clears throat> and even if you're looking at mm. the character sheets and you're saying, well, these three player characters are pretty good, but, you know, they're about equal to 10 members of the town guard or more. So why don't they just send the town guard? You know, how do you guys get around that? I, I borrowed from the way the law, the way the cops are divided in Ontario where I grew up. So you have city police and then you have provincial police. And the city police handle stuff that goes on within the city limits. And the provincial police handle stuff that goes on between the cities. So in my home, in my home world, the town guard is only responsible for, for within two miles of the town. Anything that's beyond that, that's supposed to be handled by the King's mm. Guard, right? And the King's Guard can be a lot slower to respond because they got a way more ground to cover. They got to handle all the ground in between all the towns, so mm. their their response time is much much slower. So unless it's really really dire, it's going to be a while before you'll see the King's Guard show up, right? Yeah, make them make them yeah. untouchable. You could you could or, or like un unfindable is kind of what you're saying. Untouchable, maybe they're a politician that controls the police, or unkillable, maybe they're just too powerful. Well, like the, the town guards, like there's only two of us. If I leave to go search for these guys for two days, that leaves the town undefended. I can't do yeah. that. Yeah. That is, it, yeah, exactly. I like that. Well, that's it. They have to look after their own first, and there's always going to be in in a fantasy world. There's always going to be, you know, all these threats in the outside, and unless they're directly threatening the town. Or you know, commerce between the towns, then they then they're not gonna go looking for trouble. That's true. Yep. You know, most of the time when they send adventurers out, it's not, you know, it's maybe to, you know, rescue someone or uh, to see if certain rumors are true. You know, mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily a definitive. You know, we need to kill this person or whatever. I like that. That's also a good way to ease into the whole villain role. Instead of, you need to destroy yeah. this big villain, uh, you need to figure out why the river stopped running. Yep. And, yeah. and that yeah. leads to one thing, to another, to another, and, and then finally <clears throat> you're face-to-face -face with this villain, and it's no longer about, well, why don't you just do it? It's more about, we have to do this yeah. because we're here. Well, well, when 5th when edition first came out, Rob made up a, a, uh, a test uh, adventure for us this is when the basic just came out even the, the main books uh, the, hadn't come out play yet. test rules kind of thing yeah it was just the basic set and so he made up an adventure um about these uh these fruit that were being tainted uh apples that were being poisoned and they couldn't figure out why and so that was that was the the beginning of the adventure we you know, to go for the characters to go find out you know why this is happening what's what's causing it that sort of thing yeah the townsfolk are sick well what's the cause oh it's the apples what's the cause who was who poisoning yeah. the apples rob well buy the adventure and find out no. oh is, is it something <laughs> i can buy yeah it's on drive through yeah, rpg yeah. is it on yeah. drive through rpg i'm going to drive through rpg.com right now where what is it called <laughs> It's called Strange Fruit. And Alex did a wonderful cover, and we got a, some wicked art inside, some fantastic uh, player artwork inside. Strange Fruit, a fifth edition adventure. It's also designed for uh, new GMs, too. If you're fairly new to GMing, yeah. it's pretty easy for you. It, it lays everything out for you. 
Yeah, because we would test. We were trying to kind of play test the new system ourselves because you know we hadn't uh, really used it yet, and so uh, part of it was to include, you know, as many different types of skills you're using as you know, um, investigation to combat to social interactions. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so uh, it's it's definitely a very it's definitely a good introductory adventure for people who are new to fifth edition. It's equal I mean, it's parts. It's a fun adventure anyway. But, yeah, thanks. It, it's equal parts investigation, exploration, <clears throat> combat. It's kind of got it all in equal measure. So you got the whole gamut there. And I'm, I'm just buying it right now because you can get it <laughs> in physical products. So I think that's really cool. I have one. It was really <laughs> nice. proud. I, it's you know I'm going to tell you right now. It's the name that sold it to me. Strange fruit. That's just. Great. I give credit. I give credit to Alex for the title. For the title, Thank you. I, I was think, gonna call I think it my original title fucking out apples or poison. Find out who it was. That was with subtitle. <laughs> oh god, everyone's dying. Yeah, That's mine what... was mine was something like the poisoned orchard or something lame. Uh, mine would be be a better poison fruit master. It's <laughs> <laughs> all I That's know funny. how to name things anymore. Uh, um, okay. So we have some questions then. Oh, we do have questions. Yeah. yeah. First go, of all, go. before we get to the question with the most likes. Yes. May I, I need to answer Callie's question because I started <laughs> oh, and yes. I feel bad. So Callie's question is, what would a villain do when he finishes his objective? Uh, well, depends on the objective, right? If yeah, the yeah, objective sure. is destroy the world, my answer would be not much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he would gloat. He would but, lay down, He would eat grapes. <laughs> oh, all the grapes are dead. It's a good question, actually, because sometimes I <laughs> yeah. see characters... When I'll ask them, what does your character seek? Oh, I want to be rich. And I'm like, why? Yeah. What would you do if you were rich? Would you just live a bohemian lifestyle and just, you know, would you just live in a brothel <laughs> surrounded by the finest wines and fruits like a like a Roman of old? Or would you do something with the money, right? And yeah, so if yeah. you if you would live a bohemian lifestyle, well, then that's retirement for that character, even if that's a <laughs> villain, right? He's the happy villain living in a castle surrounded by minions to serve him for the rest of his days. But most people want money to do something, maybe raise an army, maybe fund a project, mm-hmm. maybe some, and Alex might like this, maybe some wizard is lurking to become a lich and he needs to a bunch of money yeah. to get all the expensive ingredients to do this, right? And if you do that, that gives you a launching point for another campaign, right? right. Maybe a chapter two of your campaign if the villain achieves his goal. So you yeah. have the first party fail and chapter two is the party starting at level seven. And, well, that's you know, it. If... if... Chances are, if they succeed, then then the party is probably either dead or has had to flee the region, uh, depending on how big the the bad guy is. Yeah. So, um, you know, like let's say he he does, he wants to wipe out an entire area of people. Now, um, the, the 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 players, you know, maybe start a new campaign, and now they have to deal with this situation, or their characters come back eventually. Um, uh, yeah, you know, if, if maybe maybe it starts a war, and now now the next campaign involves what happens during that. So, it, so a lot of it really does depend on the goals. But um, I think I think Rob makes a good point that you can now take that take what happens, take the results of this, which are bound to be bad because you know villains winning is never good. So and 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 you know now use that as a start off for another set of adventures it it can also be a good point if you take the example alex mentioned where a villain is trying to wipe out an area imagine starting a campaign when the villain is three quarters successful 
He's yeah. already three quarters away to achieving his goal. Now the campaign starts, right? That yeah. could be a good launching point and give the players a unified goal. We've got to stop this guy. It's Hitler. He's got Poland. He's got Italy. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to. Yep. Well, l- looking at like Lord of the Rings and and uh, you know, if if you're at the books at the at the end of the uh, uh, the 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 books, they they the hobbits come back to the Shire and it's been sort of taken over. And 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 you know the scourging being of the run, being yeah being run by thugs and all this other stuff and it's you know things are looking pretty grim and they kind of clean up t- clean up the town, so, um, but they started off in a, in a very nice shire, you know well what happens if the if the campaign starts off with, you know you're in the scorched land you're 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 hiding out because, uh, there are bands of of these you know villains who are you know, roaming the streets, you know, beating people and dragging them to slave camps. And, you know, that's how it starts off. So now you have to basically undo what the previous characters <laughs> couldn't stop from happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that idea of kind of starting the campaign in the midst of uh, of the big bad. You know, especially, mm. especially Alex, you mentioned something that was kind of neat. Especially if the last campaign ended badly, next campaign yeah. is like the sequel. You know, yeah. or maybe yeah. that campaign before was like the prequel. Now let's get the real story started. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, or the reverse. If your campaign ended successfully, the party kills the big bad. The sequel might be somebody who knew the big bad and like, wait a minute, I can't let that stand. That'd be cool. Yeah. Like you're, you, you, the next campaign is all right. You're a party of adventurers, but your best friend has been killed. Murdered mm-hmm. by another part of you, party of adventurers, and now it's <laughs> your job to kill your own characters. That, that's awesome, actually. But I think that Callie, what you did is you asked a question that, like Rob said, it doesn't have a concrete answer because it depends on the villain's goals. Because um, you know it's 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 impossible to say what a villain would do after uh, they complete their objective if you don't know what the objective is. But that's the sort of question you should ask. Ask yourself, yeah. uh, you know, start, mm-hmm. start, uh, that's, that's one thing Matt really did to help me. You know, I, I was trying to figure out a, like I said, I know that this villain wants to do this. And then I answered why, but th- then I had to, uh, ask other questions like, well, how did he get this ability? How mm-hmm. did this come to, yeah. you know, when did this happen? And all of a sudden when you ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how, yeah. when you mm-hmm. ask those questions and you write them down on a sheet of paper, you get a really nice multi-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. It's it's the news. I call it the news reporter style, right? You just come up with any idea, and then you say, "How did this happen? Why did this happen? Who made this happen?" And it just grows from there. You fill it all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because the 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 question that I'm looking at with the most likes after we mm-hmm. already we answered Callie's. The question mm-hmm. with the most likes is the one we answered earlier. How do you stop your murder hobos from killing them before meaningful dialogue begins? <laughs> so, also, uh, I, I kind of have a bit of a house rule. Talking is a free action. So mm-hmm. regardless of what happens in the initiative, if my villain wants to do a bit of a monologue, he's going to do a bit of a monologue, and then the action starts. Just do it. Yeah, Go and f- the players can do it too. Like, if you yeah, want to monologue, yeah, sure. I won't interrupt you. Like, this is mm-hmm. a fun storytelling <clears throat> experience, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and and you know, it, you can always set it up a little bit too. Like, uh, uh, I just recently I rewatched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, when Balak is is uh, talking to Indiana Jones, who's down inside the uh, uh, in, in inside the tomb there, and and he's you know and he's having a dialogue with between them. Now there's nothing Jones can do because he's down, 
way down in the hole, and of course Balak is up on top. So you know you can have a bad guy just like standing on a on a on a cliff above the 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 characters. You can have them, you know, uh, talking to him from across a ravine, or if they're, he's particularly evil, they're in a cell. Guy's... He's not in a cell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or 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 if you or if you're particularly bad, which I did this in a in a one shot. You know, the guy the guy's holding a holding a kid. As a, as a shield, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, so the unless unless the the player characters are you know almost pretty much evil themselves, <laughs> they're probably not just going to start take, start taking shots at this guy while he's holding the kid literally mm-hmm. as a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in, in the story, I hadn't thought of this until the time it happened, but the uh, the kid had been kind of tied with his hands behind his back, so the villain picked him up. And was you know holding him on his arm just like you would hold a shield. So he's using the kid literally as a shield. And yeah, so it's pretty uh, not a nice guy. No, not at all, man. But th- that's you know I-, I think ultimately you take a villain like that. They're doing terrible, terrible things, and you try to make it so they're doing it to like I said before, feed their daughter. They're doing yeah. it to save their loved ones. <clears throat> they're doing it <clears throat> for a reason that's completely selfless, even though. That blows. Like, the, what they're yeah. doing is awful. Like, you know, so... Uh, if you can find a way to do that, I think you're doing it right. Yeah. Make it right from their point of view. Ah, nice. Yeah, if you if you can leave the, the, the players with sort of a, almost a twinge of guilt for having to kill this person, or, you know, maybe afterwards they feel kind of bad because this person was, was... They were trying to do the right thing from their own point of view, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yep, and I think that's always going to be an, a, kind of a vital thing. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you know, two-dimensional villains aren't awesome because Darth Vader was a two-dimensional villain for a while. Uh, yeah, the, Sauron is the two-dimensional villain, <laughs> but he's awesome. He's scary. He's dangerous. He's you know frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you're if you're really going for that added dimension for your for your big bads. Uh, then mm. I think, you know, Rob and Alex both said at the beginning, you really kind of want to flesh out some backstory to really understand, you know, why the motivations are they what they are. Right. So. Next uh, question. Oh, well, we're, we're done with questions. You guys want to make I, a villain? Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my D12. We need something people can steal from us. Yeah, an idea that people can steal. Uh, so this episode, I think we should probably call it something like villains. Like okay. part one, I think Matt's going to want to talk about this too. And, yeah, and, there's a, and there's a lot of questions. We can go <laughs> yeah. back and answer the questions. Yeah, yeah we can do part two of villains. So I'm going to be one through four. Alex, okay. you're going to be five, six, seven, eight. And Rob, right. you're going to be nine through 12. Okay. All right, that is a four. So I'm going to start us off by coming up with a simple villain idea. Okay. This villain is going to be someone that's not on the material plane, but is okay. trying to get to the material plane. That's 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 my little trinket okay. for you to, to steal. All right, so Alex, you're one through six. Rob, you're seven okay. through 12. That is a four again. These game science dice are wonderfully random. Go ahead, Alex. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to say he's not native to this, uh, to this, to this other plane. I'm going to say that he was banished there. Um, He was a uh, a sorcerer, a necromancer who had uh, um, 
had been had been sent there by um, by a cadre of wizards that had uh, managed to get together to uh, to send him uh, to this to this to this other realm, um, and uh, he has been uh, trying to get his get trying to find his way back um, by infiltrating um, people's dreams. Um, kind of giving giving them giving them these sort of prophetic not not so much prophetic but suggestive dreams things that will uh help him to uh uh find a way back i like that i like that a lot uh, infiltrating people's dreams to find a way to get back all right let me roll this die all right rob that's you okay so if he's not from this plane Maybe there's some things about this plane that confuse him. Maybe the plane he comes from has a very different set of morals. Like, maybe the plane he comes from is somewhat anarchistic. So he doesn't see murdering people who get in his way as an evil thing, just to try and tie it into the villains here. He just sees it as like, well, this is survival. This is how it is. This is how life is. Not realizing that, you know, he might be in a civilized environment with a kingdom and everything else. So... With the dreams thing, he not only is he trying to get people to do what he wants, but he's trying to um, rip information out of them, anything connected to how the hell do I get back to where I came from. Hmm. So he's just trying to get home. Yeah, yeah, right. But he doesn't realize that murdering people to do so isn't such a isn't an acceptable thing, right? Yeah. Or or maybe there's a. Maybe there's a flaw in the way he infiltrates people's dreams where it ends up killing them. So basically the storyline of this plot is a bunch of people are having nightmares and then they die. And the, the, a bunch of people are they are dead. Uh, yeah. We don't know why they're dying, but all we know is they're having these crazy nightmares beforehand and then they just die. And this has happened three times in the last week. It's crazy. So this person, he's trying to find a way to get back. He doesn't know that he's actually killing people, mm-hmm. but he needs to get back to... What? Maybe save a loved one? What do you guys think? Well, he just wants to get home, right? He Maybe he wants revenge. Yeah. Alex mentioned that this cadre yeah. banished in there. He's like, I'm going to get back there, and I'm going to get back at you sons of bitches for, for putting me through this hell. Yeah, maybe he is that bad guy. Maybe he is like, I know <laughs> well, I'm he is people, now, this right? is my you... hobby. <laughs> I go bowling on Tuesdays. I kill people in their dreams so, on Wednesdays. No, it's, it's more like Liam Neeson, right? You've taken my daughter. I have a particular set of skills, right? I'm going to get back and get you. You made me a bad guy. By sending me here, <laughs> I will find you and I will haunt your dreams. Literally, that's really, that's what I do. It's my power. Um, <laughs> awesome! I love that idea. Uh, and thank you so much, Rob, for joining us again. What is this? The Happy third to. time? I think this is the third. I think time. so. Happy to. Yeah. Awesome! It's a blast. Always a blast having you on. I know I speak Indeed. for Matt too, and I uh, I can't wait for the next one because I want to know what Matt thinks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to Roll Up and Die, uh, your traitorous and villainous and three-dimensional RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And I'm Rob, a.k.a. The Swamper. And I highly recommend you pick up Strange Fruit from DriveThruRPG because uh, it looks awesome, and I just did it. (laughs) Oh, Rob, can you do me a favor and say, Godspeed, blah. Godspeed, blah.
This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on DriveThruRPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>